What's up, everybody? It's me. It's me. It is Mr. Sensational Gino V. Mr. Sensational Gino Vega coming to you with very special episode 87 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots radio network. Folks, if you are among the tens of ones listening today and you are not familiar with the show, let it be said that this is a weekly-ish podcast airing for, usually ends up being about 38 minutes on those ish weeks when it appears, wherein I, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, an ordinary, average, middle-aged, well into middle-aged now, individual, living in Napa, California, plumb the depths of my soul, the depths of my psyche, to synthesize some of that incredibly boring, mundane, existential, experiential content that's in there, take it and synthesize it into something to share with you, once again, the tens of ones in the listening audience. So thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining the IC Robots Radio Network writ large. If you are not familiar with the network, search it up on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast, whatever your platform, preferred platform, preferred podcasting platform may be easy for me to say. Uh, give it a search. Give it a subscribe. You will receive all of our content coming down the pike. If you want to get even deeper for as little as a dollar a month, you be- can become a patron of the network. Head over to supportthereport.com. That is support, S-U-P-P-O-R-T, V-E-T-H-E, report, R-E-P-O-R-T.com, and you can unlock access to all of our elite patron content as well. Most of that content coming by way of our station boss, the great illustrious I see robots himself, and you can check out his show, the flagship show of our network, the world's famous show, most weeks by way of the network feed as well. With that housekeeping out of the way, let's move on to this very special 80, very special episode 87 on a linguistic roll here, simply flipping the tongue like the diggity dung Das FX. I think Ice Cube said that once, and I, uh, that always kind of... Um, Hit me the wrong way because if you were trying to pump these guys up as being cool, which is what he was trying to do, because that diggity bubbity dibbity dibbity rap group Das FX were like his boys at the time. Why would you call them dung? I'm pretty sure that's a line in one of his albums. Even flipping the tongue like the diggity dung Das FX diggity dung. I feel like that was a poor, poor choice of words. A poor choice of a bar, as the youth would call it today. Um, and speaking of the youth of today, not that hardcore band from the 1980s, but the actual youth of today, that is one of the stories that we're going to be focusing on here on very special episode 87. Um, something that went down with the youth of today this last weekend, at least in my world, in my universe, in the Vegaverse, um, there's a family that we... The Sensational Family, Ms. Sensational, my wife, myself, and our two daughters, Miss um, Sensational One, who's now 17, and Miss Sensational Two, who is 14. 
Uh, we are friends of the family where there is a um, two parents, a, a man, a woman, and then they have a child. And that child, um, we will call him Jay. He um, has been friends with uh, our youngest, Miss Sensational 2, since the two of them were in kindergarten together, which is crazy because it seems like it was, you know, a couple years ago. But like I said, they're both in high school now. But they have been friends since kindergarten. Um, Haven't been to school with each other in quite some time, but the friendship has endured and we are friends with the parents. So um, always great to be able to see them when the uh, occasion arises. They still live in the city of Santa Rosa, where we used to live before we moved to Napa, California, about an hour away by automobile. Um, Anyway, uh, the mom in the family had contacted us and said that they had extra tickets to a live music performance. Um, taking place at a venue known as the Phoenix Theater in a city called Petaluma, California, which is in the same county as Santa Rosa, California. It's about 45 minutes away from us here in Napa by automobile. Uh, They had tickets to a live music performance at a venue called the Phoenix Theater, as I mentioned, in Petaluma, California. And they wanted to know if the four of us wanted to go because they were of the understanding that, at the very least, our youngest was a fan of the artist. And the artist in question is an individual who goes by the name, I I always want to say Mac Weldon, because at some point, I never hear it anymore, but a few years back, I believe Mac Weldon is a clothing brand of some sort. And you know how... uh, God, I feel like I don't really hear a lot of podcast ads in general anymore, but there's a period of time, maybe two, three, four, five years ago, when podcasts, they certainly weren't new, but were becoming more mainstream, and every mainstream fool that had a podcast had ad reads, and there were certain usual suspects that would show up in these ad reads. Uh, Magic Spoon, that cereal that's supposed to be like junkie 80s kid cereal, but it's like somehow good for you. I always wondered what the catch was, and then I looked at it once, and I realized it's like 20 times more expensive than a regular box of cereal. Who else used to advertise a lot on the podcast circuit? Um, Oh, God, the wretched, um, what do they call it, like the Lawnmower 2.0 Manscaped? Why, in God's name, individuals in uh, the year 2022? I guess it's because it's the year 2022. I was going to say why in the year 2022 in a in a uh, developed, wealthy nation are people obsessed with uh, the state of their um, nether areas. But I guess that's why. <laughs> because, because they can. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, those lawnmower gimmicks, you can look them up. I'm not going to describe what it is. Uh, but yeah, Mack Weldon for a while, I would always hear that. I think they were like, they were like um, men's, like maybe men's boxer shorts and like also like t-shirts and hoodies or some, some such. But uh, anyway, I always want to call this guy, well, not always, because I only thought about him for like the days leading up to the performance and the day of the performance. And I guess while well, I'm talking about him now, but in the time that he was on my mind, I wanted to call him Mack Weldon. His name is in fact... Mac DeMarco. And I don't really know much about the guy. I don't really understand what his deal is. He's well outside of my own um, wheelhouse when it comes to music. And I'm not... um, I read once a while back that 
you know, supposedly biologically at around the age of 25, individuals stop accepting new music, having to do something with like the, with brain development. You've just, you're over it by that point. And I'm not that extreme, but I'm also not um, falling all over myself to be interested in new stuff that does not speak to me at all. And why should it speak to me? Because it's not meant for me. But, but there, I do, you know, so I, I, it's like, it's not like my record collection. I don't have a record collection, but it's not like my, the music that I listen to um, is all from the 1990s because I listen to some, some contemporary stuff. Contemporary-ish, at least, like within the last few. No, I, I, I have some bands in rotation that are, that are new, that are current. They're still performing, let's put it that way. Still relevant. They're not just like a nostalgia act. Uh, but I'm also not one of these weird old people that's like trying to vampire off the youth and pretend that I get and like everything that's coming down the pike. So I don't understand this guy at all. I don't really understand this whole phenomenon. I feel like my kids listen to a lot of music. but In my day, it was like bands. Um, nowadays, every, everything's like just like one dude um, or one woman. But it's still, I feel like that, that pop rock music scene is still pretty male-dominated. Um, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying it seems to be the case. Um but anyway, so the, so the, I, I come to you with this because I've been to I've taken the children to two live music performances now of artists that they were interested in, and the first one was a lone dude, Ricky Montgomery, who had you know he had a band and everything, but it just it's all about the solo guy now. And then this this fellow Mac DeMarco. So we decided to go, not so much to see the music that was neither here nor there, but just to see our friends and it sounded like fun, fun experience, get out of the house, go do something we wouldn't normally do. And the, the kids were going to be into it. So more power to them. We, uh, traveled to Petaluma and it was funny because, uh, Jay, our friend's uh, son was actually not with them. Part of the reason they ended up with these extra tickets, I'm not going to get into all the intricacies here, but he actually went to the live music performance. I'm calling it a live music performance. Because um, all of my instincts want to refer to it as a concert. Because I feel like for most human beings who speak English, we all understand that a concert is a live music performance. But now this live music performance was taking place at this venue called the Phoenix Theater, which we will get into much more detail about in a moment. The Phoenix Theater is a small venue. I can't remember exactly, but I think the capacity might be around like 500 or something. And as we will talk about more, I keep saying this, and we're talking about it now. I don't know why I need to keep prefacing. But uh, Phoenix Theater is the music venue I probably visited the most in my own youth when I was a young teenager, a high school student, going to see live music performances. And one of the first times I went to the Phoenix Theater, it was not the first time, but one of the first times, I went to see the band, a punk band called Fugazi. They're from Washington, D.C., one of their two singers was originally in the iconic um, straight-edge hardcore band Minor Threat. Actually, one of my favorite bands of all time. Not as much into Fugazi, not really into Fugazi at all, but I, that, as a kid, I, I was. Um, went to go see them, and we, me and my dopey friends that had been dropped off by our parents were milling around in front of the venue waiting to go into this live music performance. And we were all like, I'm really excited to see this concert. I want to see this concert. 
hey, are you guys excited about the concert? I sure am excited about the concert. And there was a group of orthodox skater bros um, hanging out in front of the Phoenix Theater that day, as there often were at that time. And we've talked about orthodox skater bros on the show before. And if there's one thing that holds true with orthodox skater bros is orthodox skater bros are orthodox. They are uh, right in their belief. They're right in their practice. They are something akin to when you read about, like, um, you know, some sort of religious extremist... um, you know, I don't want to pick on any one particular religion, but, you know, situations where people have to look a certain way, behave a certain way, act a certain way at all times, or else face the wrath of being shunned or beaten or um, otherwise corrected in their behavior. This is the definition of orthodoxy. It's 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 uh, right belief, right practice. Skater bros are on the forefront of orthodoxy in that you must wear the correct outfit, the correct uniform. You must uh, at all times speak in the correct uh, language, the correct tone. You must at all times have that right look, listen to the right bands, uh, have the right skateboard accoutrements. And so we're out there, concert this, concert that, concert this, concert that, and skater bros descend on us and um, addressed us uh, as they were wont to do in the 90s, called us um, by a slur uh, for gay people that was popular at the time, called us by that slur and said, look, slurs, um, this isn't a concert. This is a show. So I guess it's because it's like a concert is more, you're, you're going to see the Paul McCartney concert, but you're going to see the Fugazi show. It's more underground. It's more punk rock. And so uh, I tend to think of anything that happens at the Phoenix because of that experience as a show. I had that, I had that uh, ingrained into me. But then if I'm talking to you, the tens of ones, and not everyone in the tens of ones comes from that orthodox skater bro or punk rock background, you may think it's bizarre when I'm talking about a show. Because I, th- I think to a normal human being, a show is more like like a comedy show or like a, a vaudeville review or something. I don't know. So show, concert, we're just going to call it a live music event. And so where were we coming back from uh, the tangential void? I guess I was saying that um, our friend's son, Jay, was going to the live music event um, on his own without his parents because he was going with another group of friends because it was someone's birthday. So we met just the parents, me, Ms. S., our two daughters, and then just the two parents of Jay, met at a spot in Petaluma, California called Brewster's. It's an absolutely lovely outdoor um, brewery place. You know, I don't know if there's an indoor component or not. I've only ever been there in the summer and I've only sat outside. But it's this huge place, popping off, great food, had a few cold ones. Um, But then uh, we're kind of lagging out getting there because uh, originally we were under the impression that um, our youngest was not that concerned about seeing the opening act because there was an opening act. Um... which was interesting. One last, one last tangential aside. Actually, I'm sure it won't be the last tangential aside. But uh, in my day at shows at the Phoenix Theater, uh, these shows were were often not even just often. They always, pretty much always, it was not so much about that you were going to see one main event and and with an obligatory opener. It was always like four bands playing, five bands playing, six bands playing. And they were always crappy punk bands whose songs were like 30 seconds long. 
So, you know, we're not, bands aren't out there doing some like rush live music opus for four hours. It's like everyone's bam, 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 bam. So you needed those extra bands to make the show uh, worth happening, to be long enough to even go to. Um, but uh, music has changed, at least the music that my kids listen to, the music that I've been drugged to see. It's much more professional now. Um, so you get these bands like a Mac Weldon or a Mac, uh, Mac DeMarco. And this guy, he's, it's, not, it's not a punk band. You know, he's like a real musician playing this jammy stuff for like a couple hours. So it doesn't make sense. You're not going to have six acts. You know, so it's just him and it's just an opener. But it's funny because in my day at shows, um, of course, there was kind of a, a ascending level of interest in the bands. Like the, the, the usual, well, not always. If it was... There's a, a, a known band that people were straight up going to go see, and there was going to be a lot of people there. It was going to be sold out. That was usually the headliner, the band that played last. And then, you know, the, the band right before the headliner was probably pretty popular too, and then down, down, down it goes until like the, the curtain jerker band, the opener band, the, like the jobber band, as they would be in wrestling jobbers, the, the no-name guys that just are there to lose to the stars. It, there's a, there was a hierarchy like that for sure. Sometimes it was a little bit different if it was a really dopey show that like hardly anyone was going to go to and it was just a bunch of like not really known bands and the only people there are like either the other band members and maybe a couple of their friends. In that case, the gimmick was always that like the most popular of the dopey bands would play like second to last and then headlining quote unquote playing last was actually being the jobber band because then everyone would just go home after the the, uh, second to last band. Um, there were cases, I, I, I'm not going to say I, I'm totally, um, unfamiliar with this idea of a main event and j- then one opener. Um, and both shows I've been to with my, um, kids so far, um, there weren't quite, it, these opening acts of these things that I've taken them to, no one really cares that much, but they're all, you know, 2022 kids not 1992 kids so they're all nice and stuff like that and like so even though no one really cares about the opening act they're like supportive like oh yeah sounds great but they're really there to see the next band in my day back in those um back in those 1990s dark ages uh so while i said a lot of this a lot of the punk shows four bands five bands six bands there were cases where the band was so big uh, that the opener act, I just don't even know why they bothered to exist. I think the most egregious example I ever saw of this was I went to see the Ramones. When you see the Ramones, I want to say it was at the Warfield in San Francisco. It was towards the end of the Ramones' time playing live music events. Um, and the Ramones were, were probably the most influential band in my uh, teenage years. Uh, if I had to pick one band that stood above all others for me, it was the Ramones. Then not that they were necessarily like the band I spent the most time listening to or the band I liked the most when I listened to them, but they were like the bedrock of so much other stuff for me. Uh, it had to be the Ramones or the Misfits, but I'm going to say Ramones. Anyway, our whole friend group that was like just like over the moon about the Ramones at that point in time went to go see them and there was an opening act. And it was some no-name band I'd never heard of, and I was well-versed in, in the local Bay Area scene. Never heard of this band. They probably played for like 20 minutes, 
and people were just jeering, booing, get off the stage, what are you doing here, we came to see the Ramones, um, like near riotous levels, it was, it was just painful, it was like, God, the, the, these guys gained nothing from the exposure they got that night, other than generating, if anyone remembered their name, remembered anything about them, they remembered them negatively because they were just angry, like, oh, that was that band that kept me from seeing the Ramones, um, but anyway, Back to the story at hand, uh, we thought our youngest was in no rush to, to get to the show, did not care about the opener, but she, you know, is 14 and is kind of um, emotionally can be all over the place and gets uh, can get stressed out and uptight and anxious, so she got all bent while we, the us adults and her teenage sister were just all kind of like enjoying our food and taking our time. Suddenly, she just wanted to get down there ASAP, so we had to kind of wrap it up. March on down to the Phoenix Theater. This all takes place in this, this quaint downtown of Petaluma. And Petaluma, Petaluma kind of looks like it's downtown is sort of reminiscent in a way of whatever the heck the town was and Back to the Future. Because um, if I understand correctly, and uh, Factoid Marys can chime in with specifics, but I don't really want to get into that here or now. There was a big earthquake, and I want to say like maybe the 1950s, 1960s in Sonoma County that decimated a lot of historic stuff in um, the larger town of Santa Rosa. So a lot of the development that you'll see in Santa Rosa, like or especially around downtown, like the mall, blah, 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 it's kind of this like cheesier, it's not new, like modern uh, architecture, but it's also not vintage historic stuff. It's sort of like cheesy, like 70s looking uh, stuff that has not necessarily aged particularly well in all cases. Where Petaluma has maintained most of its historic buildings in the downtown, so it's all either like real classic historic stuff or like new development mixed in with it. Has this amazing look. Beautiful city. Nightlife is popping off. Santa Rosa doesn't really have much of a nightlife, um, particularly insofar as you could just like walk around and like, I don't know, I have no plans, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to, throw a rock and go follow wherever it landed and see what's up. There was like live music outside, dining, places to drink, all kinds of stuff going on down there. So just lovely to be there. Um, and I don't even like live music because we're going to get into here, but it's still, it just it felt very lively, felt very um, nice to be there. And I hadn't been to Petaluma in a long time. And I was not like that when I was a kid. Um, it was much more like Santa Rosa downtown in the sense that there just was not much going on, but they've somehow managed to, they found the, the, the secret, uh, recipe for sort of revitalizing their downtown there. So uh, we go over to the Phoenix Theater, and the Phoenix Theater is like an old, um, like, I don't know, opera house type place. Um, I think it was a movie theater for a while, and it has been host to live music my entire lifetime. Um, It's overseen by a fellow named Tom who's still there overseeing it. It is a weird venue because it is a total dump. It is a total dive, and I don't do not mean that at all as a diss. It's just it's just an old, basic, crumbling venue that constantly needs repairs, constantly needs uh, maintenance, and is run on a shoestring budget, run basically by the will of this guy Tom, who somehow has managed to keep it going, keep it together all these years, and it is the host to all, or has been the host to all kinds of music. All kinds of genres. Um, stars have been born there. Um, the band Green Day used to play there a, pretty much like on a monthly basis when I was in high school. But when they were not, I mean, they were regionally popular, but they were not what they are 
Now, I watched them go from like kids there playing as a regional band to what they became, which is whether you like them or not, you know, they're one of the one of the biggest rock bands going. Um, Metallica has played there. Um, Ice T has played there. Uh, trying to think of other bands that people would know. Um, and then not that it's funny because with those kind of bands like Metallica, it's not like I mean I don't I'm not old enough. I was I was listening to Metallica when they were getting their start, but I wasn't old enough to be going to shows. I don't know that they ever played there on their way up, but it's like a lot of times Bay Area, Northern California bands that are big will want to go play at the Phoenix. And then the Phoenix is also home and host to all kinds of local acts. My own band that I was in in high school, the Invalids, we played there countless times. The cover art from our probably most well-known release, which is a little seven-inch EP record, most well-known because we did it on the same label that that band Green Day was on at the time. It's a cartoon drawing of us standing in front of the uh, um, Phoenix Theater. Uh, so the Phoenix provides this very special service as this sort of like, um, what do they call the kids from Peter Pan? You know, the, the, the ones that won't grow up. I, why are they the lost boys? I guess they or was that the vampire movie or they, is that was the lost boys vampire movie, a play on the lost boys from Peter Pan. I don't know. It's a haven for kids that have nowhere else to go. It is a haven for misfit kids. It is, as much as like I would go there and get menaced by Orthodox Skater Bros, I also felt like I belonged there. You know, it, it was, I felt more at home at the Phoenix Theater than I did at high school. I felt more at home at the Phoenix Theater than I did in my own home in a lot of ways. So I spent a lot of time there. I did a lot of growing up there. And so it was wild to emerge there with my two kids for their first time and bring them in there and everything looked exactly the same. Um, the guy, Tom was there running everything. Um, everything looked exactly the same. The music was, as I said, very different in my day. It was all mostly punk and metal music. And there would have been a pit and people would have been smoking cigarettes, smoking weed inside. Now it's this more kind of staid, um, easy listening music that the youth like now. Um, no cigarettes, no weed, lots of vaping. Um, but it was odd being there because I know a lot of people my own age who've remained more active with the Phoenix and more active with live music events in general. And I, I, I mentioned a few moments ago that I'm not a huge fan of live music. I'm not really a big music fan in general. And I'm certainly not trying to diss anyone that is or run down what someone else likes. I'm just, it's just for me, uh, for those of you, and, I, and bizarre, you would think from my background that the tens of ones would all be well-versed in the world of professional wrestling. But I feel like only like a fraction of, of a fraction of the tens of ones um, are hip to the pro wrestling lingo. But there's a famous uh, line in wrestling lore where um, a uh, wrestler by the name of Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels, had kind of a hissy fit and uh, quit wrestling for a while. And when he described what happened to him... He didn't like what was going on. He didn't like who he was having to lose to, or he didn't like how, how he was being treated by the, the, the management that was putting together all the storylines and stuff. He described it as that he lost his smile. Lost his smile. And I feel like that's what happened to me with music. I lost my smile. Because we've talked about this someone on the show before, but and we'll talk about it more in the future, but I mentioned it on this episode... I was in a band in high school, um, and it's had a few other iterations uh, since then over the years. 
And I played a lot of live music. A lot. Played a lot of regional shows. I did some touring. I went to 5 million live music shows. I watched 10 billion bands. And at a certain point, not like I'm trying to be like, oh, I'm too cool, I'm jaded, I'm over it. But it just, you burn out. I mean, at least I did. I mean, some people are able to keep it going, but I just, I, and I don't mean this to sound weird because it was completely by chance. It was completely a fluke, had nothing to do with my own ability, my own, uh, anything I did. I was in the right place, right time, stroke of luck. I was in a situation where when it comes to live music, I pretty much experienced everything outside of being like a, a, a full blown, like, um, uh, you know, um, arena level celebrity musician. Like I was in a band that was regionally popular. And again, I'm not telling you this cause I'm trying to chest thump or brag. It was just case in point. What are, what are you going to do? I have no idea why it happened. It happened. Uh, you know, I am in a band that to this day, there's people that I don't know, strangers that I don't know that hit me up cause they know about this record that I made 25 years ago. Um, I've been in situations where people wanted to stop me and talk to me because of that. I was in the band, like they recognized me. And again, we're talking, we're talking like on the rungs of like rock and roll fame, brother. We're talking like the, the, the ant level, but, but it's like, but once you've, once you've experienced that, you kind of know the drill. You kind of see what it's like. Yes. You could always make more money off of it, have more fame, blah, 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 blah. But it, it just sort of like, um, for me, experiencing those, those things, witnessing those things kind of broke the spell. It was like, ah, oh, this is just like anything else. At a certain point, it just gets boring. And also, I'm not like, that whole world is like self-promotion and politicking and glad-handing other people. And to me, it just, it was not something that I cared enough about to continue with. Um, but in not continuing with doing music on my own, it was it's hard for me to watch other bands. I don't mean it's hard for me to watch other bands, but it's hard for me to get, get excited about bands because I, I, I know how the sausage was made. I guess uh, the, the closest thing I can compare it to, it'd be like if you had been in the magician business and you know how all the tricks are done and you're just going to see magicians do tricks. And if you were like really passionate about it and still do magic yourself, I guess you probably would get enjoyment out of seeing how the craft is done. But because it was sheer dumb luck, sheer accident that I ever had any career or time in music, as it were, um, it just puts me in this weird place where it's just kind of like, eh, I, I know how that goes. But it's also not something that I'm like, excited to continue seeing how it goes. So, um, you know, I listen to music like everyone does, but it's just, it's not something, I don't like pop huge, as it would say in wrestling, for music. It's not something, um, let's put it this way. Another performance art, professional wrestling, I go through phases and ups and downs of how excited or enthusiastic or interested in it I am something I've been a fan of since I was a kid um but I don't think there would ever be a situation where if you took me to see some wrestler perform that I have some level of fandom or connection with that I wouldn't still pop huge mark out these are all wrestling terms basically be a fan of what was going on be able to lose myself in 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 the moment and not be able to see how it's all working, you know, just be able to feel it in a non-meta, non-ironic way as a fan. I don't, I can't do that with live music anymore. I'm just not a big enough fan. Um, so while some people I know have continued to spend time going to the Phoenix Theater, whether for shows they like or like taking their kids to stuff there like I was doing, they, they've been there more regularly, they've been there more recently. It had been a while for me. And 
I think it's also compounded by the fact that I don't necessarily look back on my youth with rose-colored glasses. There's definitely parts of it that I love, parts of it I look back fondly, but there's also parts of it that were really messed up. Like, the 1990s were a weird time. There's a lot of strange behavior that I don't necessarily look back on fondly. Um, That whole 90s punk music scene... um, was in a lot of ways just like super hypocritical because it was supposed to be all like egalitarian and smashing the system and we're like against all the old paradigms like, you know, racism and sexism and all this stuff. But it was like one of the most sexist uh, scenes of all time. It was was like all the dudes were in bands. All the the females were girlfriends. Um, The few female people that like, you know did anything more than that oftentimes were like looked down upon as being like, Oh no, they're, you know, I not that people would straight up say, Oh, like they're uppity, but that was kind of the vibe. Um, it just, it, it was kind of real phony in a lot of ways. Um, and so again, it's not, it's, it's not so simple that like all bad, all good, but I don't look back on all that stuff super fondly. And a lot of people I know just like hundred percent across the board, that was the greatest time ever. Everyone involved was the greatest. So when I go back to the Phoenix, I hear a lot of voices. I see a lot of ghosts. Some of it brings a smile to the face. Some of it brings a tear to the eye. Some of it makes me cringe in in regret looking back. Um, Some of it makes me feel furious. But it's a very emotional place for me. And so it's not necessarily, it's not like I want to avoid emotion, but it's not necessarily an easy place for me to go back to. And... As the years pass, I think the last time I spent time there was around like the 20, 2009, 2010 time period. So it's been a while, even since then. And the audience there, the kids there have only gotten, I, I was in that daze and confused, like, I get older, they get younger, or something like that. But anyway, yeah, I'm getting older and older and older. And the kids, oh, they stay the same age. That's what it is. You go there, and most of the people there are still high school students, you know, maybe at the oldest, they're like pushing 20 and you just get older and older and older. And you just realize this place brings back so many memories. And at once they're both here, but they're also gone forever. And that's kind of a creepy feeling too. Like you feel like you're a ghost haunting this place that you no longer really belong in. At least that's how I feel. So it was a trip to be back there. Um, we got in, we began watching Mac Weldon uh, Mac Weldon was just kind of noodly, um, uh, just kind of mellow. The young people are all like doing this, like with their, clapping their hands over their head in unison to this music. Mac Weldon. It's like that. Kind of, I don't even know if it sounded anything like that. That's just my memory um, now. <laughs> and they do. They were doing the. Uh, um, the, the clapping part is legit. I don't know how how legit the uh, the music part that I'm filling in is, but that's a, in my mind. That's what it sounded like. Um, but we're we're there. We're watching, and then like the parents of Jay and me and Ms. S got kind of restless, and so um, we ducked out for a minute to go get a cold one at a bar around the corner, and then. As we were there, our youngest starts texting us, and she's all up in arms, like, this place smells bad. This place is too hot. People are too tall. 
Guys are taking off their shirt and their sweat is getting on me. People are vaping. It smells bad. This place is hot. And we're like, bro, this is like going to the Phoenix Theater. What's wrong with you? Just enjoy the show. I don't even like this anymore. I don't like going to see this. I want to go home. And so we thought she would finally get over it because that often happens. She'll be like all stressed out and negative about something and then eventually you know, kind of forget about it and start enjoying it. But um, we went back to the venue and she was still texting us. This smells bad. There's sweaty dudes here. There's too much vaping. I want to go home. So eventually we did to her and her sisters. Like, do you guys really want to leave? And this concert was going on for a live music event. Sorry. was going on for quite a while. Like, it's not like we left five minutes into it. So they're like, yeah, you know, we've, we've, we've seen it. We've done it. We've seen, we've, we've experienced enough. So we said our goodbyes and ducked out a bit early. And it's so funny because Ms. S and I were just like, bro, we went to so many shows here and it was even hotter and sweatier and smokier and smelled way worse and it didn't even phase us. And these dopes couldn't even make it through one show, live music event, concert. But then I realized maybe that's not the worst thing in the world because... I don't know, are your kids really supposed to be a carbon copy of you? Are they supposed to be into all the same stuff you were into? I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting that the Phoenix Theater, a place that appealed to both Ms. S and I when we were young because we were kind of these wayward youth looking for a place to fit in, that's not even really on the radar of our kids. And not to say our deal is better than theirs or their deal is better than ours, they're just different people, and I think that's okay. I think that's okay. I think it's strange sometimes. I do see sometimes uh, people put a lot of stock in wanting their kids to be into the things they're into. And I think naturally, of course, there's always going to be some dovetailing. I mean, like, um, you know, uh, I share some anime interests with my youngest. Um, share some video game interests with both kids. But it's not, you know, it's kind of like we each got to it on our own, in our own way, and and uh, apprehend and process this content in our own way. I think it's okay, though. For uh, I think it's a good place to be, actually, now, now that I'm, I'm sitting back and pontificating here on the show. On one hand, you have how it was when I was a kid, where, at least for me, you're just completely alienated from your parents. Your parents are not even people you could relate to. The stuff they like is so whack and on a different tip. They seem like they're 100 years old. They don't understand. You know, they're like the proverbial dad from, uh, you know, the we're not going to take it video. Um, that's one extreme. Then the other extreme would be that your kid, you, you know, you, uh, groom is probably a bad term. <laughs> you you uh, set the stage for them to be exactly like you, to be a little mini you. That's probably weird too. Then maybe to be in a place where you guys, where everyone's coming with their own stuff, their own feelings, their own interests, their own personality, life, et cetera. But in a way where we can find some sort of relation, where we can be uh, at ease in each other's company. I think that's probably a good place to be. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling... You know, now that I think back on this, I think this trip was a, was a net positive. I got to process some feelings about my past and about the Phoenix Theater. I got to process some uh, uh, thoughts on our family dynamic. And I think things are okay. I think, it, I think it's not the end of the world that my kids could not hang in the 1990s. Not that that version of the Phoenix Theater was even anywhere near as gnarly as the 1990s version. But uh, that my, my kids are not grungy, uh, divey venue carbon copies of their mother and I. That's okay. We can live with that. Um, as long as we can all talk about it on the drive home or something. I don't know. Folks, that's it for this week. Um, except for one thing. 
one thing, which again, I meant to make this more of a centerpiece, but I got lost in tangent land. It has now been two calendar weeks, as I record this, two calendar weeks without a visit to Northern California, without a visit to Napa, California, Santa Rosa, California, either or, from one engineer nerd, E-nerd. Look him up on Twitter. I don't know the exact at, but look up Engineer Nerd. Give him a follow. Engineer Nerd, we are waiting. We are waiting. And as we wait, let me look this up on the, on the Facebook machine here really quick. Um, while uh, Northern California is sitting here waiting for Mr. Nerd, waiting for this man who claims to appreciate things like tiki. Well, hey, there's a tiki bar down the street. A man who appreciates um, fine hand-rolled cigars. Well, hey, there's a cigar bar right down the street. A man who often pines after various exotic uh, Japanese dishes. Hey, there's any number of places we could uh, go get them around here. Instead of making the effort, making the effort to come out here for the trip of a lifetime, to come out here and it'll just be just, just, just a taste just just a, a glimpse, but for him, you know, that will be more than some people achieve in an entire lifetime. Just a glimpse of what it's like to be a coastal elite. Instead of doing everything in his power to get out here in the last two calendar weeks, he's instead posting this, this, this bizarre missive. Because when I brought him up on week one, of this Where's Engineer Nerd odyssey that we're now on. Um, I had mentioned that he's from Indiana, and I was mentioning how there was very little that I could say about the state of Indiana. He uh, made sure to remind me that he's not actually from Indiana. He lives there. He's actually a Michigander, as they call them. Have you ever heard of these people, these Michiganders? Uh, and I think he also, like, maybe... You know, I think he's basically... If you've ever played the game Grand Theft Auto V... What's the name of the, the, the psycho one? Was he Trevor? Was that his name? Wasn't that guy basically some like Canada slash Michigan guy initially? So that's basically, I think, what Enerd's deal is. But he, he, instead of coming out here, he's sitting up on Facebook, posting up on Facebook, saying stuff like, yep, I'm from Michigan, where we use our hand as a map. What does that even mean? We use our hand as a map. Sounds a little iffy at best. Where Tim Allen... Eh, Alice Cooper, Madonna, okay. The Black Dahlia murder, I think they mean the Black Dahlia murderer. Eh, Motown, okay. Insane Clown Posse, whoop, whoop, okay, I can get behind that. The White Stripes, eh. Stevie Wonder, eh. Oh, no, I just called to say I love you is an awesome song. Uh, Kid Rock, eh. Eminem, eh. Robin Williams, okay. And John Five are from, I don't know what John Five is. Um, the, he's not actually saying this. This is like a meme he's reposting. Our vacations are to Grand Rapids, whatever that is, up north in all capitals. And I don't think they have tiki or sushi in up north. Or a drive across the bridge. A drive across what bridge? We are the only large inland peninsula on earth. Inland peninsula. Oh, because there's a lake. Eh. We got a river here. so And you can see us from space. You can see us from space. Hmm. 
We love Fago. There be more. I think I think that's like a Juggalo thing, right? Superman ice cream. Okay. Better made chips. Oh, these sound suspect at best. Verner's. They don't, Verner's. We don't know what it is. It's just Verner's. And Mackinac Island fudge. <laughs> Mackinac Island fudge. Oh my. We know that up is not a direction but a place. We play euchre. <laughs> Swim in lakes and rivers. Well, you know, that happens just about everywhere, I think. Fish and camp. Okay, we bake with soda and drink pop. That's just weird. We measure distance in hours. It's about two hours away. Dude, I do that all the time, and I'm a coastal elite. Try step off of our gimmick. You know, this is a... We can drive 65 miles an hour in a foot of snow or a blizzard and not even flinch. Well, I would, I would uh, one-up that with, like, I don't even have to. I, I don't know why that's, like, something you do that... That's a selling point. It's like, that's great that you can do that and not even flinch. I just don't even have to do it. So, um, and still have school. That's also not necessarily a good thing. Plus, we're in driving distance of hell. Driving distance of hell. Not many people can say that. Repost if you're from Michigan. So it, instead of being out here in paradise, he's sitting at home pining about Michigan. Two calendar weeks. Two calendar weeks. And not even a hint that there's any movement afoot on the horizon. As always, folks, that is the entertainment portion of the show. All said in good humor, good jest. I've got nothing but love for, for the great Midwestern portion of the United States, Michigan included. And uh, being a coastal lead is not all of that, I guess. I don't know. It's fine. Um, talk to you next time. Until then, it's me, Mr. Sensational Gino V, signing off.